This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbong. Latino is a synonym for mixed. That's something our guest on the pod today says. His name is Hector Tobar. He's the son of Guatemalan immigrants based in L.A. He used to work at the L.A. Times, where he won a Pulitzer for reporting on the 1992 L.A. riots. So he knows a thing about how complicated the cross points between race and class can be in this country. He's got a new book out called Our Migrant Souls, and in it, he really mines the term Latino for all it's worth, for all its implications, good or bad. And in this conversation with Here and Now's Deepa Fernandez, they talk about how this country sees Latino identity more as a caste than anything else. This message comes from NPR sponsor LiveRight, publishers of Left for Dead, Shipwreck, Treachery, and Survival at the Edge of the World by Eric J. Dolan. The true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812. Available wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. The term Latino has been used with increasing frequency in the media, in discussions on immigration. But what does it actually mean to be classified into this group? Does the word Latino have any real resonance? Or is it a term imposed from the outside? Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter Hector Tobar thoroughly explores Latino in many contexts, including his own life, in his new book, Are Migrant Souls? And he joins me to talk about it. Welcome, Hector. Thank you so much for having me. So Latino migrants are a very hot topic right now, yet Mm. we seem to know so little really about the lives of the people who are coming and have come. And I feel like your book tells a very different story to what we're hearing now. So I want to start by giving you a moment to sound off. What are we totally (laughs) getting wrong about this current moment? You know, the US-Mexico border, Title 42, asylum bans, border walls. Go for it, Hector. Yeah, you know, we see images of, you know, groups of people standing before the river, causing all kinds of havoc. And more than anything of this sort of faceless, nameless group of people who just represent disorder and dysfunction. And to me, that's a lie. Because when I think of the dominant image of what Latino people bring to the United States... I think of a suburban neighborhood in its perfect order. I think about the clean bathrooms in the restaurants that I visit. I think about the food served on my table because 90% of the food in this country is picked by Latino workers, half of whom are undocumented. There are definitely stories of trauma and dysfunction in our past, but there's also this ambition and resilience. And for me, that's what's missing in the media's representation of Latino people. Okay, and we're going to um, get into a lot of that that you just mentioned. But I want to ask you about your parents' own story of coming to the U.S. Would you tell that to us? Yes, my parents came uh, in the mid-1960s. My father was 21. My mother was 19 and pregnant. I was born at L.A. County General Hospital, and there were these two 
supremely intelligent and attractive young people who were in a marriage that wasn't going to last much longer, unfortunately. But they brought me into the world thinking that I was in the greatest country on earth and that we came from this beautiful place, Guatemala, a land of love and opportunity, a place that we had been cut off from. And then we lived in Los Angeles in the 1960s and 70s, place of incredible opportunity and hope, place of constant reinvention. And yeah, I just grew up with so much love and so much hope. And I think that's still the two things that define the Latinx experience, this uh, desire to remake ourselves and the belief that we are worthy people. And one of the things you talk about there in your own birth story, your birth certificate was marked Caucasian for you. And I think it really gets to the heart of something that you talk about for Latinos in the U.S., Mm -hmm. which is a sense of colorism and how you say skin color is a genetic roll of the dice and and it's there in your own family because many white presenting Latinos may well have dark-skinned or indigenous family members. Talk about how that plays out in the community. Well, I like to say that Latino is a synonym for mixed because there's countless Mm -hmm cultural encounters in our past. And so in my family, it's this indigenous and European encounter. We have Aztec and Mayan ancestors who, uh, whose stories are hidden to us, largely speaking. And that goes for most Latino families. And at the same time, we enter into this reality of the United States where people didn't know where to classify us in the race scheme of the United States and these race ideas. So when I was born in 1963, They saw my mother, who's fair-skinned. My father was probably at work because he's darker-skinned. And they just put down Caucasian. That's how they fit into the racial scheme of the country. And, of course, the ideas about race and Latino people have evolved a lot since then. But, yeah, it's this, you know, to be Latino is to have these mixings in in your past and also these secrets, these mysteries about who you really are. Mm. And you write this really powerful line. I'm going to quote it here. Our relationship as Latinos to whiteness is the tragedy and the comedy of us. Tell me what you mean. It's the comedy of us in the sense that so many of us grow up with the notion that to be fair-skinned is to be better, smarter, somehow blessed with better luck, you know, just more beautiful. And that's tragic. Also, it's tragic that we have these ideas about black and white, dark and light that are really old ideas. But it's also, you know, this constant sort of longing that many of our relatives have to be embraced, to be assimilated into whiteness. Um, And so that's both to me comedic and tragic. Yet you complicate the narrative even further as you kind of explore class structure and how Mm. no matter where you fall as a Latino on the the color scale, you're still likely subjected to a class structure. And one of the things you mentioned it in the early part of our conversation is you think of Latinos when you think of a kind of a pristine neighborhood with gleaming bathrooms Mm -hmm. and kitchen countertops. Um, And I feel like, you know, and here's your words again, the effort to erase Latino presence from middle and upper classes subtracts from the U.S. knowledge of itself. I found that really powerful for us. Spell out what you're saying here. Well, you know, I think that most working class people, white and black and Asian working class people, grow up alongside Latino working class people because Latino working class people are kind of the heart of the working class in this country. 
And yet, as a culture, the United States, and especially, you know, in the in the popular media, it just doesn't see Latino people as complicated, as intellectual, as interesting people. And so, to me, to see that constant erasure is hurtful. I mean, it, it goes through everything. You mean in advertising, the more upscale the advertising is, the less likely you are to see a Latino person in it. And so, to me, Latino has become this idea almost of a caste. You're born into this situation where you're going to be working with your hands or you're going to be working in the service industry. You're going to be doing something to serve other people because that's your fate. That's what you're born to. And I think that's at the heart of what a lot of people think Latino identity is in this country. So reframe for us what you think Latino identity could be or maybe Mm. should be. Yeah, I think that Latino identity, for me, what's beautiful about it is this notion of a journey, that we are people who have survived journeys, who are undertaking a journey, who've come to new places to reinvent ourselves and met other people. I mean, I think the idea of mixing is just so much a part of the narratives of Latino people that I've listened to. You know, we moved to South LA and we live next to a black family. And my first boyfriend was this black guy or I moved, went to college and I had this boyfriend who was white and you know, we started a new relationship. Or I have many Asian students who write about going out with uh, a Salvadoran or a Mexican guy and what that means in terms of their family. So to me, Latino is kind of the ultimate mixing story, the ultimate journey story. It's a story of going from one place to another with this legacy, this history behind you and meeting other people and incorporating them into your story, learning new customs, bringing new customs into the family. You know, the piñata is now pretty much a universal birthday thing now, whereas it used to be only a Mexican thing when I was growing up. And so to me, uh, Latino is a story in which we need to understand the journey and the mixing and the encounters and the reinvention and the hope and the strength, the resilience above all. Yeah. To end, and this comes towards the Mm -hmm. end of your book, you say, and I'm quoting here, the world we live in is not enough. It's not free enough. Mm. It's not true enough for queer people, for the undocumented, for the millions who can call themselves Latino, Latinx, Hispanic, end quote. So, Hector, what are the ways we can move forward? Well, I think that we need to really care for each other and we really need to learn each other's stories. I think that the natural curiosity that most Americans have is a wonderful source of strength for our society. And I would ask people who are Latino to be curious about their pasts. And I would ask people who are not Latino to be curious about us and to read our books and to find out more about the Latino people around you. And in doing that, uh, we will become a stronger people. And also, I think we need to look at our society and its inequality and come up with theories and uh, performances of resistance that will help lead us to a new world. Hector Tobar's book is Our Migrant Souls, a meditation on race and the meaning and myths of Latino. Hector, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch.